Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us for our next week of Naturally Supernatural. Today, we're going to be talking about evangelism. And I don't know if you're like me, but I remember growing up thinking that evangelism was some sort of a formula. I remember thinking you start off with a gotcha question, some sort of intriguing question that would make them think. You would ask them, you know, uh, if this car were to go off the road right now and, and just blow up and you were to die right this second, where would you go, heaven or hell? Or there's the question of, do you feel like you are a good person? Or some sort of question that was sort of a gotcha question that would get them into a conversation about Jesus. And then once you did this and you got them into conversation, then you would jump into the Romans road or some other formula of, of verses you could walk them through that would get them to the point of salvation. And then you lead them into the sinner's prayer. Now, some of you may have been, been saved through some sort of um, uh, variation of this, which I think is awesome, and to God be the glory. Um, but I remember in this, there was, so, there was sort of the teaching that if you're not seeing the fruit of evangelism in your life, if you're not seeing converts in your life, and you're not seeing people come to Christ through this sort of formula in your life, then it was one of two things. One is that you were just ashamed of the gospel, or two, you just didn't care about their, their eternal security. And I remember carrying a lot of shame because I remember thinking, man, I'm not seeing a whole lot of people come to Christ. I must be ashamed of the gospel, or maybe I just don't care. And, and, and looking back, I realized that it was more because I just didn't have the friendships, the deep friendships with people that didn't know Christ. A lot of us lived in some sort of a bubble, and every once in a while we'd come across somebody that didn't know Jesus, and you'd try this formula on them, and it was not very effective. But what we see in the Bible is that it says that Jesus was a friend of sinners. People called him a glutton and a drunkard because of the people that he hung out with. And we see that, that Jesus was constantly around people who were far from him. And in conversation and in, in just living around these different people, we see them come to him and see their lives restored. In 2 Timothy 4, Paul says that we are to do the work of the evangelist. So what does this mean? What does it mean to do the work of the evangelist? Now, evangelism is simply introducing someone to Jesus and his kingdom. This can be done in a multitude of ways. It can be done in conversation. It can be done in in some sort of project that you're doing with somebody and you're showing them the love of Jesus. It can be done in, in friendship and in car rides and, and coffees. Evangelism can be done in so many different ways. It's not simply a formula, but it is a showing somebody who Jesus is. It's an introduction to who Jesus is. It's putting somebody into the presence of Jesus himself and helping them work through those questions. Um, the original definition of, evangel uh, of, of evangelists in the Bible was a bringer of good tidings, someone that could proclaim the good news, and, and we have good news. We no longer need to have evangelism as this, this burden of, of shame that's hanging over us that makes us think that we just don't care or we're ashamed of the gospel, but we have the good news that that Jesus came to bring life and life to the fullest and that that life 
is for everybody. And we can proclaim this good news. And so I think that there is a natural way that we're able to have this, do this work of the evangelist. A way that's full of joy and excitement and passion and not shame and guilt. And so we have some good friends of ours, Hannah and Alex Absalom, who are going to be, um, uh, we have a video of them that they did specifically for us um, talking about evangelism and what you can do to do the work of an evangelist. So check this out. Hello, I'm Hannah Absalom. And I'm Alex Absalom. And we're coming to you all the way from Long Beach, California, although originally we are from England across the pond. Absolutely. And uh, we've had the joy of getting to know many of your staff team over the past year or so, haven't we? We've loved the journey that we've been on with your staff team. So whether it's Greg or Josiah or Brody, lots of others, we love them. And it's just a shame we can't be with you in person. Just seeing seeing your faces look back at us, that would have been lovely. Um, so we want to jump in with a story today. So uh, a little while ago, we were out uh, going for a walk with our dog and we often do a lot of walking in our neighbourhood uh, where we're filming uh, for you today because that's our primary place of mission. And we ran into a neighbour a couple of doors up who we know quite well and they were going off to Japan on a vacation because the wife and that family, she's got Japanese heritage. and um, But the husband was talking to us and he said, oh, I'm really worried I've got this horrendous back pain and it's been like this for weeks I've not been able to sit down at work and I've got to fly across the Pacific and two weeks on a bus driving around Japan and blah 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 anyway he's telling us all this he's not a believer and all the time he's telling us I can hear the spirit saying to me are you going to pray for him are you going to pray for him are you going to pray for him and I'm like Lord would you be quiet talking to my neighbor you know um and so I kind of plucked up the courage out in the street there on the sidewalk and I go, um, Robin, would it be all right if I prayed for you? Because I think Jesus would like to make you better. Uh, and he looks at me and he goes, OK, that'd be great. So we just laid a hand on him. Hannah's there, the dog's there, I'm there, uh, people around. And I just pray a really short 30 second prayer like, dear Jesus, thank you that you love Robin. Please make his back better so he can enjoy this trip. Amen. And he's like, great, thank you. Anyway, the next morning I turn on my phone and the first thing I've got is an early morning text from Robin and he's saying, Alex, my back is completely better. Thank you so much. So uh, I texted back and said, that's awesome. God is so good. And he replies and said, yes, I needed reminding of that. Anyway, they go to Japan away for a few weeks, come back and he's desperate to see us. And when he sees us, uh, the first thing he wants to tell us is that his back has been perfect all the way there, all the way around Japan, all the way back on the flight. Uh, he's so excited. And then about a month later, we were doing a, a party for neighbours. So we quite often do that. And he texted that day and said, oh, I've got some family in town. Can I bring them? We go, yeah, of course. And I never forget this. So it, down in our front, just got a small just front yard, us. just behind <laughs> us. Uh, there's a couple of steps from the sidewalk up into our, our pathway. And I'm down there greeting some people, greeting. I see him coming with some family and uh, some relatives and, and I, I'm about to say hey how are you nice to meet you to the extended family and he interrupts me and he points at a guy who turns out to be his dad and he and he looks at me and, and he's talking to his dad and says and this is the man who healed my back so um, I mean slightly you know we'll, we'll ignore the theology at that point but the point was he was wanted to give glory to God that God had moved and impacted him and here's a situation where a man who's and a family who are not yet believers are being impacted by the naturally supernatural 
power of God. So this is what Jesus wants us to do, is just to, in a very organic, relational way, because at the end of the day, it's about relationships, whether it's our relationship with Jesus or our relationships with others, rather than any, you know, Bible bashing or or whatever. It's about relationships. So Jesus tells us, so in Luke 9, 1 to 2, Jesus gave the disciples power and authority to drive out all demons, to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And then this is what the disciples do. They go and do it. So in um, Mark 6, 12 to 13, they went out, preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons anointed many sick people with oil and healed them and so basically I mean that sounds really um, in some ways complicated and it's just the apostles or really you know um, spiritual people who should do that but we would argue we can all do that in a very very simple authentic relational way just ask the Holy Spirit to empower us and go with us and he will he'll open the the doors give us opportunities to do the simple things which we will come to specifics in a minute it's interesting in the acts of the apostles there are at least 40 uh, miraculous events that take place and of the 40 39 of them occur outside of church gatherings church meetings and so what we should take from that is that uh, this when we are seeking to be sharing our faith you as you think about your neighborhood or your place of work or your school or your extended network of relationships uh, as you seek to be representing jesus there and by the way if you're not yet a believer you're, you're checking stuff out at destiny it's awesome but you need to know this is part of the deal if you choose to follow jesus you're expected to share your faith with others and here's the thing we don't do it in our own strength but god sends the spirit into us and he will empower us to to share our faith and as part of that we're going to be healing the sick and and bringing liberation and freedom to people uh, in the strength that the Holy Spirit gives to us. Jesus offers us abundant life, life in all its fullness. And mm. we get to experience that, but we want to share that with those mm. people around mm. us who may be struggling, uh, suffering, or whatever. And so we ha- we've we got a five-word phrase that we want to give to you today, which we have found to be the simplest, easiest, most effective way to do Naturally Supernatural mission. And those five words are... Can I pray for you? So with can I pray for you, what happens is this. So um, uh, let me put it like this. For many of you, you are going to be super competent, super well organized. You could organize tons of great stuff and I bet it'll be a fantastic occasion. But the problem is the more educated you get, the more competent you get, the easier it is to do things and you wouldn't notice if the Holy Spirit showed up or not. And I think there's a danger. So obviously, yeah pursue education, pursue competency. But we, at the same time, we need to do that while still having a deep dependency upon God. And this phrase that Hannah shared with you, can I pray for you, is one that we use because what it means is if we start from that place, we're straight away from the beginning leading into God and into God's goodness. It's not about what I know or my cleverness mm-hmm. or my skills. Instead, it's about I might not know very much at all. But the point is, I know someone who can deal with this situation. And basically, by praying with them in the moment, I mean, yes, sure, you can pray with them when you go home, but we want to encourage you to pray for them in the moment. Yes. Because by doing that, you are ushering them into the presence of God. Because uh, Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So just by gathering, by coming together in his name and agreeing on something, he is going to come into the middle of them. 
Now, how many of your non-Christian friends are going to encounter Jesus in any other way? So by mm, doing this, so this good. is such a, a concrete, tangible, simple, effective way of just bringing them into Jesus' presence. And anyone can do this. You know, if your kids, if you're watching, mm. you can do this with your friends. Uh, you don't need to know tons of theology. You don't need to be Bible answer man or woman. Uh, you simply get to live this out. So it might be uh, a colleague is struggling with a dilemma at work. And yeah, you've got wisdom to offer. But, you know, along the way, you might be able to say, hey, I think God will want to give you wisdom for this. Can I pray that God would show you the way through this situation? It might be a family member or a friend or a neighbour like Robin um, uh, is sick and struggling. You say, hey, this may sound really crazy, but I, I believe that Jesus heals and he loves you so much. Would it be OK if I prayed for you right now for, for Jesus to heal you? Uh, there might be a demonic oppression over a house. We've had that happen to us mm-hmm. a number of times. Neighbours who aren't believers say, we feel this thing, there's a presence in our house, we're getting nightmares. And so we get to say, well, can I pray for you? Can we, you know, maybe go with them into the home and say, could we pray for this home for God's presence and peace to come and, and to drive out the darkness? Uh, when I mean just recently uh, with all this crazy coronavirus stuff Mm. we've had so many neighbours who are stressed or whatever and I regularly walk with a couple of them and on so many occasions particularly in the last few weeks I've had opportunities to pray for them Mm. because um, they are stressed one stressed of finances another stressed about a move and I just say hey let's let Let's just pray for a minute. I just want to bring you before the Father now, or you know, I, I believe God can. He is the provider, or or whatever the He is the answer to everything mm. and anything. And so yeah, so I think um, we need to live like this. We need to seize these moments and to speak God's goodness, whether it's a dilemma, whether it's a positive thing, like got a promotion or you got a new baby. Well, can I pray for you that God will bless you, or mm. bless this new life? And so many ways you can do this. And it's so simple, but it takes the pressure off you to know everything. Instead, it puts the pressure onto God yeah. and God loves those sorts of moments. But people feel loved and valued in the moment as well. Yeah. And two quick things to wrap up. Uh, we also want to remind you of two, uh, share with you two principles that we find Uh, help us in this situation and these are principles that we've kind of discovered uh, but but we we allow it to guide us and the first one is non-christian friends love the fact that you're a spiritual person you may think you're a little bit crazy but they love this kind of crazy because they've got no one else who is going to pray for them right there and then so the first so Allow your friends, your friends who are not yet believers, to see that you're spiritual. Don't don't hide it away. Mm. Uh, the second principle is that we should treat our non-Christian friends the same way we treat our Christian friends. In other words, be authentic. So uh, if, say, I was with you in person and um, Josiah walks in and he goes, oh, you know, I'm, I'm feeling really unwell today. Uh, what I would do as a believer is I would say, hey, mate, can I just pray for you? I don't, mate, of course, you have to say, because that's what Jesus <laughs> says. Uh, but I say, hey, mate, can I pray for you? Do you feel a whole lot better today? And you perhaps lay a hand on him, pray for healing. Well, I should do the same with my non-Christian friends. And what's interesting is we have found our friends who, who might be miles away from church are really open to that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So treat your non-Christian friends the same way you treat your Christian friends. Live a holistic, authentic, joined-up life. Mm. 
So I think it's just uh, being aware of where where you've been sent to. Jesus sent you somewhere. It's not random that you're in your neighbourhood or in your workplace. Jesus has sent you there and put you there for a purpose. And so it's being intentionally, uh, you're being intentionally present amongst those mm. people, listening, loving, serving, being intentionally present. And so as, as we wrap up this bit, two things we want to leave you with is number one, be intentionally present, mm-hmm. like you've just shared. And secondly, grab those moments where you can ask, you can pray, can I pray for you? I hope this video was encouraging to you so that you can see that there are some practical, amazing steps that you can take to be an evangelist, to share that amazing news of Jesus in the way that you live your life. So I just want to encourage you with some things as to what it takes to truly live this life of evangelism in a naturally supernatural way. One is that it, it um, takes us taking offense. Now don't, don't misunderstand me here. I, I'm not saying that we take offense, um, meaning that we get offended by everything. And I'm not saying that we take defense, meaning that we just have to defend ourselves all the time. I'm saying the opposite. We take offense, meaning that we go to where people are. We go to where people are. We shift our lives to be around people that don't know Jesus, and we simply do it with the motivation of love. We don't do it with a motivation of to get them to believe a certain thing. It is simply to say, I'm going to be around these people with the love of Jesus and love them the way that Jesus will and bless them the way that Jesus will and hopefully introduce them to to an amazing, loving God. We don't sit back. We go. I remember one time um, when um, my football team had these these booster cards that we had to sell. And uh, I remember our, our station that we had to go to was the Rite Aid, which was the worst place ever. Nobody wants to buy these discount cards when they're going in to, to get their prescription on a Saturday morning. And, and so what I realized is that right behind the Rite Aid was the farmer's market. And that's where everybody was. And so we, we kind of abandoned our post and went to the farmer's market and just sold these things like crazy. Because that's where the people were. That's where the people were that would be interested in these discount cards. And, and I believe that when it comes to the gospel and it comes to the news of Jesus, we need to go. We're called to go to where people are. And so if you have been living a sheltered, bubbled life, you probably need to think, okay, what do I need to shift in my life to be around more people that don't believe what I believe? The second thing is that it takes time. It takes time. We, we used to have somewhat of a model that was an event-driven, um, sort of crusade model, if you will, um, you know, where we just get a bunch of people in a stadium and um, there's the message of Jesus and a whole bunch of people get saved. And um, I think that there was a time and a place for that and, the, and it was extremely effective. There were tons of people that came to Christ because of that. But I believe that we now live in a more cynical world um, where... Um, People aren't going to show up to something um, just because. I think that what we need to embrace now is a missional model where we are living on mission, um, the mission that Jesus has put in our hearts. And um, the mission that, that Jesus wants to restore the entire world and bring it back to that perfection um, of, of love. And and the missional model is to say, hey, join me on this mission. And as we do that, people will come to Jesus as they experience the love of Jesus. 
Which brings me to my next one. It takes experiencing. It takes experiencing. People need to experience the love of Jesus. Ephesians 3.19, it says this. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You see, it's saying that, that the love of Jesus is not just something to be um, thought about or debated, but to experience. And so true evangelism, um, I, I believe, um, creates these environments for people to experience the love of Jesus and the blessing and the love that he has for their lives. Um, you know, it, it says here that, that the love of Christ um, surpasses knowledge. Meaning that true evangelism isn't just having enough talking points or enough clever questions or, or even enough, um, you know, uh, even, even the superb ability to, to communicate um, with our words. I believe that it takes a, an ability to show somebody the love of Jesus in a way that can be experienced and felt and yes, we want to be able to talk about Jesus and walk people through scripture and all of that. But I believe that the experience of Jesus, the experience of someone meeting the very Savior that died for them in a real way is what brings down a lot of the walls. And that's what opens conversations. And so um, we're going to show you guys another video um, that Alex and Hannah Absalom did um, to kind of talk through some, some you know, different stories of this sort of life evangelism. So check this out. So one of the things that's interesting about Jesus is the number of parties that he went to. And he would go to parties not just with the nice, neat, tidy religious people. He went with all sorts of scoundrels and outcasts and generally naughty people. And he would go and hang out with them and, and build relationships. And the way that Jesus models for us sharing about the good news of who he is, is that it, it passes virally almost through relationships. And uh, one of the ways in which he, he sought to build those was in parties. So that's what we have done. We, wherever we have lived, we've always done lots of parties. Um, so we've done sort of Christmas parties. We've done birthday party for Jesus parties. We've done Easter parties and Easter egg hunts and summer drinks on the lawn or ice cream parties or... Uh, we hold our nose and do Fourth of July parties, and uh, or we Halloween, might, party. Halloween parties, or we just make up an excuse party, mm -hmm. or it's a graduation thing. And some are big, and some are just like a small group of people. It could mm -hmm. be you could do a board games party. But the point is, you're you're creating an environment where people get uh, drawn closer to to one another and to you, and you're building relationships. And what you're looking for is the ones who are a bit more spiritually open. So like, so then, so a spin-off from one of them was we did the birthday party for Jesus, which has got that spiritual component. Definitely. But then we also, another thing that we did was um, one year um, in our previous home, um, it was just before school was about to start and loads of families in the neighbourhood. And we thought, why don't we get together and get, get all these families together, any excuse to get together. And, um, and But I texted them, at, or the mums, and said, we're going to get together, we're going to um, have some drinks and cookies and fun, hang out, but let's pray for the kids um, as they start school, because a lot of them are nervous. And so we all got together, and we had some fun and some drinks, and then we... Um, then we all got together in a big circle and we went round and we said, okay, what's uh, to, for the kids, what's one thing you're looking forward to and what's one thing you would like prayer about? And they all shared. 
And they're saying things like, that I can remember my locker yeah. number, or, oh, has someone sit next to on the bus or at lunch? Mm-hmm. And all the mums are crying and everything else. <laughs> uh, and, but they showed us very real things. There was a couple of teachers there, and they shared some stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we said, hey, who'd like to pray? Didn't we? Do you remember well, that? Yeah, so we just basically just said, okay, let's just have a couple of time, a couple of minutes, and just let's anybody who wants to pray, feel anybody who feels led, just pray. And um, so it was amazing. Loads of people prayed. Mm. Loads. The majority of people prayed. And most of them weren't church. So a lot of people, you would, we were shocked that they even would pray a prayer out loud. Yeah. But I think it was just this sense of goodwill. They wanted the best for their children and their neighbours' children. And so it, it was great and everybody was so positive and got lots of texts afterwards saying that was really good. Um, let's do something. Mm. Let's do something else. In, in actual fact, I think that was the springboard for launching our missional community in that neighbourhood. But uh, that was an excellent Yeah, and out of that, so we formed this home church type experience where there were uh, seven, eight different households on a regular basis, all bar one, uh, were not believers when they started and many came to faith during the next few years. Um, but I think what we're trying to communicate to you is it's this mixture of being highly relational and then doing things where we allow the power of God's spirit to come. Because when people invited into that place of prayer, to give that example, they would experience something of God's presence and God's love mm. and God's goodness and God's provision. And they'll start to see prayers being answered. And, you know, little Johnny does get someone nice to sit next to on the bus and so on. Uh, and uh it, you know, God loves the challenge of answering his prayers. He really enjoys that and he, he'll do it in creative ways. So um, we just want to share that with you as a bit of inspiration mm-hmm. that you too mm-hmm. can step into living a naturally supernatural lifestyle as you seek to be a witness mm-hmm. to your friends and your neighbors and your yeah. colleagues. What I love about Alex and Hannah is that um, evangelism and the gospel and, and Jesus, it's part of their life. Um, it's not just a thing that they do or something that they believe, but it is truly a lifestyle, something that they live out and that they actually do. Um, you know, with, with evangelism, something that it takes is it takes your life. And this, is, it, this isn't like a guilt trip to say, you know, you're not devoted enough, you're not um, passionate enough. What this is, is it should be something that's exciting because you no longer have to, to, to think, oh man, do I need to check that box of, of have I shared my faith with enough people? Um, but it, it's this thought of you can formulate your entire life around what you're passionate about, what Jesus has put in your heart, the people he's put on your heart, and you can live out this life to where every single day you're living out evangelism simply because of the people you're around and the environments that you create. Um, 1 Peter 3.15 says, be prepared to give an answer for the hope that is within you. So this means that, um, you know, we need to be living our lives in such a way and so devoted to Jesus in such a way that it, it, it creates this hope that, that we don't have to come up to somebody and say, hey, let me tell you about the hope that's in me. It's saying, be prepared to give an answer for the hope that's in you. Meaning that you live a life that raises questions. That, that you have dinner with somebody so many times and they experience such a hope in you that they ask a question and they say, can you tell me about that hope that's in you? It takes our lives. You know, with, with my son, Redding, he's almost one year old, which is just crazy. But he... Um, Amber and I, I mean, it, it really opened our eyes to, to, 
to Reading and, and what we want him to experience when it comes to Jesus and the gospel. And, and we came to this realization that we don't want him to just say that when he experienced living for Jesus, it wasn't just one hour on a Sunday where he'd go and there'd be some sort of a program but to where it's just the life, the everyday having people over to the house, the conversations, the blessing, the, the taking care of our community, loving people, and just being immersed in that and, and experiencing Jesus in a real way that takes us living it out. And then the last thing when it comes to this evangelism is it's going to take creativity and innovation. Creativity and innovation. Um, I think that this is perfectly teed up for us right now as far as where we are um, as a country. Um, we're slowly going back to where things were as far as groups of people coming together. And so with this, I, one, I believe people are craving community. They want so bad to just be around people, to have conversations, to, to get into the very environments that are so rich in evangelism. And so I think we need to be prepared for that. So that's one is that people are craving that community. Two is that I believe that this will help us not just go back to the way things were as a church. I don't want it to be where people just say, well, I'll just wait until we can all be back together in the building. I think that God is calling some of you to create some evangelistic environments where you say, hey, why don't you come over to my house and, and, and you get a few families together and you say, hey, I would love for us to have some, some conversations around you know, a message or, or I would love for us just to get together and have, have a meal and just, and just talk. And I, I believe that, that we can move towards this sort of evangelism because people are craving that sort of community. And so I want you to think about all this stuff that you've heard today. What is God calling you to in regards to evangelism? Who do you need to say, hey, how can I pray for you? Who do you need to, to who's on your mind that you need to start praying for right now? that you know you want to have, well, once you're able to, you can have them over for some coffee, for a drink, to, to, to sit and just eat and share life. What's God calling you to? Because this life of evangelism, it's for you. You can live this out in an amazing, passionate, exciting way. And I'm excited to see the stories that come out of us doing the work of the evangelist in a way that proclaims good news and spreads the love of Jesus for our community. So let's pray. Dear Jesus God, thank you so much that you come to give us life and life to the fullest. Jesus, I pray for the person out there that they may feel a little fearful. They may feel a little hesitant to know that you have created them. You've made them specifically to spread your good news and to spread your love. I pray that they would accept that challenge today. Lord, I pray that we would live lives filled with joy and passion for what you've done for us, God, and that we would experience you in a way that's so real 
that anytime we talk about you, it's genuine. It's not a formula, but it's an overflow of what you're doing in our lives. Jesus, I thank you for this church and how much you love us. In your name I pray, amen.